Okay, welcome to the Act As If Marathon meeting. My name is Susie. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the, oh, hi. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, there's a few things that I have to read. We ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. Mine's off. This session is supposedly being taped, but I'm not so sure about that. Um, all participants, afterwards, if you come to share, you need to sign your name below on the release form, and I can show you where that is. Um, to protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Uh, please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are asked to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An ASCIT basket will be circulated. It's over there with the blue, with the blue basket, right over there, next between these two ladies. Um, will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures using a video camera or using full names. Um, the format for the session is as follows. One speaker will share for 25 minutes, followed by questions and answers in five minutes, followed by an open sharing. An ask it basket will be passed around. Please place your questions in the box for the speaker. The topic for the session is act, acting as if. And the speaker for the session is me. My name is Susie. Okay. Um, so I guess then that's it. Yeah, I start speaking. So as I, as I said, my name is Susie, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi. And there is no denying that I am a compulsive overeater and that I have probably been a compulsive overeater my whole life. Although um, I feel that... The eating started affecting my body when I was probably in first grade. I, I pr I'm pretty sure that I was eating all along my whole life. Um, but I think I, the evidence of it really came into being when I was after school. I was a latchkey kid, and I would go home into the cupboards, and I would just be foraging into the cupboards to try to find whatever I could to eat. Um, I'll speak to a little bit of like why I think that perhaps happened. You know, I do think that my childhood was, for me, it seemed particularly troubling, although I have three siblings and none of them have had the same compulsive eating problems that I have had. Um, but, you know, my parents were not happy in their marriage. I never really witnessed them having happiness in their marriage, even though they were married for 19 years. And so that was troubling. I had a childhood trauma that um, happened when I was three years old. I was in an accident with a lawnmower and lost a toe. And, you know, so I do feel like there were some things that just weighed heavily on me. Now, those were awful things that happened. But, you know, and I, I have had, over the course of years, worked very hard in trying to come to terms with some of these things. And, um, but I do find that just in general, like, I do take things kind of hard. And, and I've heard that I'm sensitive. People have told me that. I can't believe I'm sensitive. Um, and I've come to realize and recognize that is the case. And so, you know, there's a little, like, the whole nurture-nature discussion that we've all probably had amongst ourselves is one thing to consider. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all I need to know is that I've got to do something. How I got it, I, I, it doesn't necessarily matter. I just need to do something about it. Um, took me a long time to find this program, though. I was 44 years old when I entered OA. And um, so, obviously, I, I struggled quite a bit. I went, you know, I did a lot of different diets. I, um, you know... I lost some weight, and then I would gain that weight back, and then I would lose some more weight, and I would gain that weight back. And I, you know, just seemingly couldn't really do anything about it on my own accord. Um, at some point in my life, I just kind of, I hope nobody's offended. I'm, I'm, hi, Nancy. I'm um, a San Francisco girl, and we, like, tend to get a little sweary, so I might swear a little bit. I hope you don't mind. If anybody's offended, raise your hand, and maybe I'll tone it down. But, you know, I had a little bit of the buckets. Like, I, you know, I'm fine as I am. I was, like, at, you know, at my top weight, which was 313 pounds, I was a belly dancer, and I showed some flesh. And I, you know, and, like, so there was a part of uh, doing that that I felt like, oh, I'm really proud of who I am. But 
And inside, I really wasn't. And I look at those pictures and I cringe. Um, and so that was, you know, it was, it was great. I, I did love it, um, but it just, you know, I was sort of kind of protesting too much, perhaps a little bit. Um, so the session is about acting as if. So I'll backtrack a little bit. I was raised Catholic in a very religiously confused home, and we're in the the our in this um, event, in this venue, we're sharing with a lot of other people doing conventions. I noticed there's some Greek Orthodox. And my dad was a Greek Orthodox. And so my parents, as they got married, had made a decision that they would, um, the boys would be raised Greek Orthodox and the girls would be raised Catholic. So my mom had three girls and one boy, mom one. And so there, you know, the, my sisters and I went to Catholic school and my brother went to public school. Um, so there was a little bit of con- religious confusion going on, but I was feel like I was pretty solidly Catholic, and my brother kind of got the sweet end of the deal because my dad really ended up never going to church much, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, you know, I kind of took the Catholicism thing to heart, and um, I guess I was a good Catholic girl. I considered being a nun at one point in my life. I had a couple of aunts who were nuns. It's sort of something that happens when you, you know, are Catholic, and, um, you know, you don't have a lot of you know, necessarily the means to maybe go to college or something, and also just to get out of my chaotic household. I really considered it, because I could go to some, like, boarding school to become a nun. And then, you know, later in years, talking to my aunts who became nuns, that was the reason why they did it. And so it's not so far-fetched. But I quickly, as a young adult, realized that that was for the birds, in my mind. Like, that was a bunch of shit. And there were priests that were doing shit, and there were, you know, all kinds of stuff going on that just wasn't working for me in my mentality. And I was, and my mom also kind of was in the same boat as well with something that happened. We were like, forget this Catholicism stuff. And so that, I think, was a little bit of a turning point in my whole, like, getting out of touch with my own spiritual needs because as a Catholic I was raised in in the 60s and 70s that's what all spirituality was was your religion to me it was I didn't know any better and so I kind of divorced myself from that path and I think that one of the hardest things was coming to this program knowing you know I, I was one of the reasons that it kept me away from this program I thought it was a religious thing my granddad was an AA I kind of had a little understanding of it, but not too much. And I really thought that it was more of a religious thing, and it kept me away. And, um, oh, yeah, that was, I, you know, I do feel like from a spiritual perspective, as this is what this program is about, and trying to learn to recover is about getting in touch with yourself and what your my needs are as an individual and knowing that I was never going to be able to resolve this issue with compulsive overeating unless I was willing to ask for help. And so that's, to me, what the crux of this program is about. And I, you know, I came into OA, 44 years old. I had had, you know, I had had some success in a a commercial weight loss program where I had lost, like, 50 pounds. And I thought, oh, that was kind of easy. Why have I been waiting so long to do this? And then I couldn't keep it off, and I kept gaining it, and losing and gaining and losing and gaining, and, you know, and eventually um, was paying money to that particular program, and starting and stopping like 14, 15 times, and just continuously just letting the money fly out of my checking account, I mean, really crazy, and that's when I felt the most insane, and that was how I found these rooms, and for some reason, I was finally able to hear, and I don't know why that happened, but I was finally able to hear, you need to come to OA, like, for myself. One person suggested it. I was seeing a life coach at the time, and she's like, you know, have you heard of this organization? I have another one of my clients. If you want to have a you know, number to call, you can do that. You know? And I'm like, you know, I should check it out. I have kind of, it's sort of been in my brain, and, you know, and so I did it. And it was the most amazing thing that I ever did. It was the hardest thing that I ever did. I came into my first meeting, and I saw people who had lost 100 pounds, which was I was in that category. Um, you know, I came into program, I was probably like 285. I wasn't at my top weight, but pretty high up there. And, uh, you know, and I heard that they, that's not for me, is it? No, that's okay. Um, I had heard that they had, um, stopped eating certain foods that I was like, what? And like tears would roll down my eyes that I heard about these things. Like, I'm never going to be able to do, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. No way. No fucking way. Forget it. I, no. And, um, and then, you know, I, talk, I heard from enough people, you know, some people didn't eat sugar, flour, any carbs, some people didn't eat some carbs, some people did this, and one person said to me, 
you know, you can just, can you do three meals a day? Can you give it, can you just do three meals a day? I'm like, I can do that. Like, that was my first abstinence. And um, I did that for a little while. And slowly, over time, over the years, I was able to let go of something. Just all these little miracles would happen along the way. And it was just all inexplicable to me. So I started paying attention to these things. You know, I was working steps with a sponsor. I found a sponsor who was wonderful for me at that time, and she just was so gentle and so sweet, and I needed that because, you know, I was the one who could be so hard on myself, and I knew, like, I wasn't going to stick around if somebody was going to tell me, you're not eating this, you're not eating that, dun 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 call me at 6 a.m., no. She worked with me graciously and kind of let me find my way. But when we started working on the steps, so step one was easy. I was powerless. I was completely powerless over food and my life had become unmanageable and I could write volumes and I did write volumes around what that looked like. You know, I had had an accident where I had fell. I like broke a chair and I tore my rotator cuff because I fell on it and I didn't even like deal with it, you know, from going to a doctor, a proper doctor until many months later. Ten minutes left. And um, like, you know, that's unmanageability, because I was afraid that that doctor was going to say, you know, you're too fat, you need to lose some weight. And, you know, she was right. I mean, she didn't say that, but that was true statement. I just didn't want to hear it. Um, step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That was a little harder for me. Like, I, because, you know, there were a couple things with that. You know, then you got to sort of start believing in this concept of a god. And that was when she told me, like, you know what, we just kind of all act as if. A lot of us don't believe in this kind of thing. And we're all just kind of pretending. And you don't have to believe in some, I mean, not pretending, but that's how it's, you know, that's, that's what I did to start. That's how, you know, that's kind of how I do a lot of things today, is that I, like, if it's difficult for me, I just try to imagine that I'm making, like, you know what, it's not difficult for me. I'm just going to go and have this glorious day. But I'll get back to that. Hopefully I'll kind of try to bring it all full circle. Um, I, and I had to also admit that, like, by saying, restoring me to sanity, was that I had to admit that I was kind of insane. I mean, that's sort of what that step is a little bit about. And so, again, working the steps with that sponsor, you know, we had to do a lot of writing around that. And, you know, I do have an issue with food. I am. It's, I do have an eating disorder. You know, it may not be commonly known as an eating disorder, but compulsive eating is definitely right there in my books with the others that are more recognized. Um, but then I had to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And, you know, that was, that was kind of hard at first. And I think what helped me to get over that obstacle was that I didn't have to do, like, define what this God looked like. It didn't have to be the same Catholic <laughs> God that I kind of grew up with. It had to be something that I believed would help me that just wasn't me. It was like the, the importance of that that really helped me to kind of get that step is that it doesn't matter. All that matters is you just have to really accept that you're not the one doing it. And I was not able to do it, clearly. At 44 years old, with every other ounce of knowledge in me about, you know, I studied some nutrition in college. I educated. I had a powerful job. I, you know, it's like mostly, appearingly, I could have it together, except, oh, yeah, I was 300 pounds. There was that. And... But, you know, then there is, okay, like, I obviously have not had the power to do this on my own. And so that is how the acting as if really kind of helped me to kind of propel myself into the rest of the steps and to help me get and maintain my abstinence. I do feel that I was very lucky to have found a abstinence that worked for me to keep me coming back. It kept me going down a path of where I am today and where I'm going to continue to need to go. Um, today I have given up sugar. I have given up flour. I haven't eaten in past, just in the past couple of years, I have stopped eating all other grains. And, you know, so I eat meat and vegetables and fruit and some other, you know, like, and that's, like, I never thought I could be that person. And like, this is what the power of this program, the power of the support of my peers has helped me to do. I'm not saying that that's the right thing for everybody, because it's not. We're all individuals, but that's what I needed to do, because I was kind of stuck at my, like, you know, 210 way, 220, 210. I never really got down past that point, or 213, because I'd lost the 100, right? I was at 313, and I was at 213. Now today I'm at 203, you know, because I've had to kind of change things up in the way that I eat. Hi, Joe. Oh, I'm not supposed to name any chairs. What's, oh, was that a timer? Okay, sorry. Sorry. Um, 
So I do feel like there is a little bit of an element of making sure, oh, I have 10 now. Oh, no. Okay, now I have to rethink the whole thing because I was starting to kind of wrap it up. Okay, it's all right. This is how our higher power is working through me, and I'm going to act as if that my higher power meant for me to think that I had 10 minutes, five minutes ago, and now... (laughs) Okay, but, um, you know, step four, taking the inventory, making our inventory, and then sharing it with somebody, and step five is definitely something that, like... Am I really going to have to do all of this stuff? You know, do I really have to write all of these individual things down? And I'm, right now I'm on my second set of steps, and so I'm on my step four again for the second time, and I'm kind of catching back up to some things that I really didn't unearth the first time or things that have come up since then that I have probably dealt with in daily ten steps but for some reason still bug me because that does happen from time to time. Um, you know, I, I can act as if that I can be relieved of that obsession or that, whatever it is that's bothering me. And so that's what I do. And that's how I bring that into, you know, I can just do that in every step along the way, right? So we talked about four and five. Six is entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, something that I particularly am looking forward to readdressing again in my second time around because I don't know, you know, I don't. That that one does kind of baffle me, I have to say. You know, I do feel like um, I'm well aware of what my defects of character are, and I feel like they just keep coming up. But, you know, I think there's an element of acting. What would my life be like if I really wasn't that kind of a person? Let me just see what that might look like. So that's a little bit of pretending, right? Isn't that what this is sort of all about? But, you know, I mean, that's what it is. Fake it till you make it, right? Um, Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings, that's a daily occurrence, definitely a daily occurrence. I have that, you know, every day something is coming up with me that, you know, I'm, I'm recognizing my shortcoming, and I have to pray. I have to pray to be relieved of it, something that I never really thought I would be doing on my knees. Like, I kind of am like a little closet prayer, you know. I wouldn't even tell my siblings, I think, because we, you know, we kind of all went through our religious, like, divorces, I guess you could call it, through over the course of time. And, you know, only recently have I kind of shared with them as they go into some particular trouble and some other friends of mine, you know, like, do you ever, like, think of, you know, just maybe doing a meditation where you, you know, and try not to say the P word, praying, but... um, (laughs) You know, like, I have, a, I have one friend whose mother passed away, and I said, have you ever, do you ever, like, pray to your mom to help you to kind of get through something? And she was like, you know, I know, that is kind of what helps, I, I have to say. And it was really kind of nice to do that, you know. And we're all kind of, like, jaded city people, and we actually do these sort of things. I'm, you know, I'm happy to have that in my life. Um, making amends. Again, you know, <laughs> making amends is... Not an easy thing to have to tackle, and I think a lot of us starting in the steps, you know, when we read them before, like, I know when I first started um, in the program, and I, you know, we read the steps at every meeting, and there's some coming to be familiar with you, and, you know, it's like, that was the one I was most scared of, and it turns out it was not that big of a deal. It's like just being honest, you know, that's what I was doing, I was being honest. Um, but, you know, to imagine, like, what is that outcome going to be like? I don't really have any control over it, but I could imagine that I'm going to have this conversation with this, per- with this person and that maybe it could come out in this way. It didn't always happen that way, but that's okay. Just being able to think about it ahead of time was something that really helped me um, in that regard. Tenth step, taking personal inventory when we're wrong, promptly admitting it. Um, I mean, that's a daily, obviously that's a daily practice. And you know, I am not one of the people that will do I, a daily 10-step. I do things as they come up for me, um, and, you know, maybe I need to probably do a little bit more writing from time to time. It seems to be one of my pitfalls, but when I do it, it always brings me relief, and that's not anything I ever would have imagined would happen before this program. Um, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us to, and will for us and the power to carry that out. That's step 11. And that's a really critical one that kind of keeps me in touch with all of the spirituality that is offered to me in this program. You know, whether I take time to be quiet, whether I do, you know, go to yoga class and, and really like have a meditation in that, or whether I just take time, you know, shooting from one location to another location in my busy, hectic life 
to just sort of stop and close my eyes and take a minute. It's, you know, it's all part and parcel of why, you know, we're here to gain recovery. Um, and then having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, tried to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. And, you know, that is something that I really seriously take to heart. And I am um, a co-chair for San Francisco of our PPOC committee. That's only one way that I want to share, you know, carry the message, but I feel so passionately about, you know, getting the information of our program to people who would otherwise not know about us and not, you know, and like, I, I know what people think about us because I thought those things. And so like, I really feel like it's my goal in life to make sure I could like get to some people and change their minds. And I take these things really seriously. We do a lot of work. I have a fantastic co-chair who's just so inspiring that thank God like keeps me doing it. But, um, you know, Part of the time, it's like you could beat your head up against the wall to try to feel like you're getting through to people. And I guess I kind of have to act as if, like, it's going to work. It's going to be successful. We had a fantastic outreach event at a Diabetes Association conference that happened a couple weekends ago in San Francisco at the Moscone Center. Huge. Thousands and thousands of medical, you know, providers, healthcare individuals were there. And we reached out and we, like... You know, I, I'm seriously... I've done outreach events before and you, you can kind of get negative thinking people that come to the booth and like it was overwhelmingly positive and touching touching stories from doctors and their own individual stories that really was amazing and so I'd like to think that I'm going to act as if everybody is going to receive this information so positively that we can spread the word to have to so that people know that OA is effective for you know eating disorders or compulsive eating and bulimia anorexia as much as AA is for alcoholism, and you know, and that's kind of a very common knowledge. We don't seem to have that, so I should not be preaching too much. But that's sort of it's a passion of mine, and it's important, and it's what keeps me abstinent. It's what keeps me coming back. Um, it gives me hope that you know we can help people one person at a time. Um, how much time do I have left? Three. Okay, so. You know, today, where am I in my, in my recovery? It is 4th of July weekend. And I have my boyfriend's kids are in town, and we all stay together in my tiny little apartment whenever they're in town because he's a fireworks dad, and the boys have to come and be with their dad, you know, to hopefully not blow a limb off. And I don't get to witness that, thank God. Um, and so this morning I went to the grocery store because I did not prepare for them to come because the things that they want to eat are not necessarily in my home, like boxes of cereal, which is something that I have not eaten since I started. That was one thing I had to give up immediately because that has, I am powerless over the cereal, but I'm fine with it now. I actually went into Safeway today and I bought red, white, blue donuts for those kids and one for each of them. Like, you know, water is here. Thank you. Um, One for each of them. And then they had the nerve to like leave little portions of them left over. So clearly not issues for them, but I was not Sad. I have had moments where I'd go past some beautiful bakery, whatever kind of thing, you know, living in the, near the mission in San Francisco. There's so many fabulous options out there. And sometimes I go past, I'm like, I'll never have that again. Whatever. I'm not doing that today. I need to act as if I don't give a shit about that kind of thing, perhaps, you know. Um, but it didn't bother me. I was really happy to do that because they were cute, you know, nice colors. Like, oh, they're going to really like this. And they were so excited. It was nice, you know. And they weren't, they're not compulsive eaters. So, you know, like, I don't need to project my shit onto them. But, you know, it was nice. I'm glad. I'm glad they're here. You know, it's been, I've been in program for six years now. They've been in my life about four to five, I don't really keep track of these things. They've been around for a while, four years at least. And I can see that I am really enjoying the time with them. It wasn't always the case. And I was in program, you know, like I said, I was in program when I met them. But it always wasn't so easy. So things are getting easier. You know, perhaps it's a little bit of like, what would it be like to be part of this, like, you know, extended happy family? I mean, not my kids, which is even better because they can go home to their mom when I'm like done with them. But, um, you know, it's nice. It's really nice. I have, you know, I do feel like from time to time I actually have some serenity. And I, you know, I have plenty of times when I just like, I'm a compulsive eater and I just have, I'm crazy over these issues and why do I have to be this way and this person said this thing and now I can't stop thinking about it, you know. 
that happens. But then what do I do? I have to lean into my program. I have to call somebody. I have to do some writing, which maybe I won't do so readily. But, you know, when the third person says to me, maybe you should write about it, then I might do it. You know, <laughs> it's not so easy to do. So, oh, I have one minute, and I think that brought that kind of full circle pretty well. So I'm really grateful to be here in this conference today. We have, there's so many people here. I'm thrilled to see new faces. I'm thrilled to see some familiar faces, and I feel like we all are coming together uh, at a time when it could have, we all could have done 12,000 other things on this 4th of July weekend, and we chose to come here. And so that is really strong for me. That's like, you know, we can just kind of soak into that collective desire to want to make ourselves more whole. You know, that's kind of what I'm doing. Anyway, I hope, I hope that uh, sums up for me. And I hope you got something that you, that you uh, needed to hear. And if you don't, there's plenty of meetings going on, other marathon sessions, and... Um, Thanks for listening. Okay, thank you so much for that. Okay, did, oh, did the Ask It Basket go around? No? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, let's see. What do we do? Let's see. So, does anybody else want to share... Um, for maybe five minutes or something, would like to share. Okay, there we go. So make sure, I don't think, I really don't think we were recorded. I'm not sure. But anyway, if you can sign your name here. Come up here, and then you need to sign this because this is a speaker release for the recorded thing, right? And then put your name and your date, and you get five minutes. And I will time you. You want to time her? Oh, I, bet. I don't know if anybody can read that. So seven fourteen fourteen. No. Anyway, uh, hello. I'm Margaret, compulsive overeater. I have a burning desire to share. And uh, thank you. You were so uh, vivacious. I just love your energy. Um, so act as if I'm. I'm like trying to trust God lately. Um. You know that song, say something, I'm giving up on you. It's like, okay, God, say something, I'm giving up. So act as if. Um, and I was thinking, I, I've been in um, recovery since 1986, but OA since 1987. And um, recovered bulimic, recovering human being. So um, I feel like my... Eating disorder is in remission, but my life living disorder is always active and feeling like an outsider and alone. And um, so I just had a couple of things happen lately that just gave me that feeling again. I live in a beautiful cottage in Newark, and it's got oak trees. I rent it. I've rented it for the last nine years. It's got these little built-in cabinets. It's kind of like the 50s, except I love the 50s. My two little kitties were born under the porch. Anyway, the owner just came back from the big house and uh, said, we're going to Mexico for two weeks. You're evicted in two months because I want to do some remodeling. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So my security has felt like it's been in that place because when I moved in, he said, you can live here as long as you want if you always pay your rent on time and you'll never raise it. So I had a lease for a year, and after that it was just kind of like we were friends or family, but it wasn't. It just shifted. So I've been grieving big time, and um, it just feels like the bottom fell out. So um, I was booked to come this weekend quite a while ago. I thought, oh, everybody in my group's going to come, and I'll have a roommate, baby, baby. Well, you know, nobody wanted to come and room with me. And then two people online emailed me, I'll be your roommate, I'll be your roommate. So I was all set up. Both of them canceled. I thought, hmm, okay, a little more challenges. So, you know, I, you know sitting up in my room, I was like, I am so lonely. I thought, well, go down, go to a meeting. This is where it's happening. Um, I had a successful class reunion, 50th, um, a week or two ago in San Luis Obispo. 
and I went up to people and said, Hi, I'm Margaret Buck. That was my maiden name. And to people I could never talk to. And uh, unfortunately, the two guys I was really interested in are married, so I am like 50 years too late. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's going to happen. So um, I am glad I get to talk for five minutes because it's – oh, one minute. Okay. So, you know, I was thinking in retrospect, I believe in God because I can see what's happened. But in the future, not so much. I'm just scared, and I want to check out. I want to numb out. I can't do that. I have to suit up and show up. So I thought, okay, you're so brave. You came up to this all by yourself. You checked into the room by yourself, came to me. Now I don't know if I left my cell phone in at the registration table. I thought, okay, it's either in my room or at the table where it's hopefully safe. Um, So I'm just grateful to be here and get to be vulnerable. And thank you. You're good. Okay. Perfect. Who else? Anyone else would like to share? Five minutes. This podium is yours. Yes. Judy. Great. Go ahead and just sign it or there. I'm Judy Compulsive Overeater. And uh, thank you so much for your share. I live up in Sonoma County. Um, and I used to live in L.A., and I used to have a meeting to go to anytime I wanted to. And now it's not so easy. And um, I had gone to several things in, in the city and have heard um, the speaker before, and I'm really grateful to be able to do that again. And I like this topic. I just wanted to pitch for acting as if because I just came out of – I'm um, – Yesterday, I think, was like 15 weeks off of sugar, and I feel like a different person. And I have had a, um incredible last eight weeks. I Has it been eight weeks? June. Something like that. And, I, you know, I, I, I lost my job. I got married. I had a, a bat mitzvah. And I got a job, and I started a new job. And... I stayed absent through all that. And I and it was a lot of acting as if. You know, when I lost my job, I was, like, devastated. And I just felt like... But the truth is, is I had been in my disease. I had been eating sugar. I had been totally insane. And you know what? When I'm in my disease, I've been in the rooms for a long time. When I'm in my disease, nothing matters. I don't work the steps. I don't care about my character defects. They're all over the place. And guess what? People don't want me around them. I'm sure no one in this room can relate to being this kind of compulsive reader, but I relate to a lot of the things they talk about in the big book. And and so I have to work really hard to to be in recovery. And so my my recovery has been about acting as if, acting as if I believe I have a higher power, acting as if I believe that, you know, things really do have a way of working out and that, you know, there is a, a bigger plan and that if I just take it one day at a time and, and work my, you know, I just work through all the steps again because of all this work stuff and did a whole another you know 12 step four step five step six step seven step and um all around this last work situation and you know this is probably my fifth sixth time doing that and guess what there's still a lot of character defects um that i didn't know about that are still coming up and stuff that was there that i didn't know about that came back of course when i went back into my disease so um acting as if is a really i am here to speak for it because it's worked for me in the last eight ten weeks and um 
I'm just so grateful for these rooms and for this program and, you know, that I have a way of life to help me get through hard times. And right now I'm feeling so happy. I'm feeling like, God, I've been through the hell and back and I'm abstinent and today I'm happy and I'm, you know, in a room full of my fellows and I get to spend a weekend with OA people and, um, and, and just bask in recovery, you know, and it's like, if I don't have it around me all the time, I forget. I have to, like, hear it either through a podcast or, you know, call people or text people or read it. I, I just, like, have this, like, two-second memory that forgets everything I've ever learned. And I've been around here for a long time, and it, I just forget it um, unless I'm constantly in it. So uh, that's all I want to say. I just wanted to get up here, claim my seat, and... Um, Sam, I'm so grateful to be here, and thanks for everybody. Oh, you're done. Is this yours? I think so. Yes, that's yours. Thank okay. You. Do we have somebody else? What time are we at? We have. Oh, there is a question in the basket. Well, let's take the. And then maybe somebody can take it. They want to share about. Okay. Huh. What is your most favorite and least favorite tool, and why? It's kind of the same thing, right? The writing. I already talked about that a little bit, and it's. I do feel like it's. Um, I, there's a reason why I don't like to turn to it. It's because I'm, I'm resisting to uncover what I need to uncover, and that's what kept me at 300 pounds for that long period of my life. That's what made me start eating. You know, I didn't want to ever address anything, and eating was a way to just disregard everything else that was going on. Writing, to me, is the way to uncover it. It's like the end-all, be-all. And yet, I do tend to put it off, procrastinate it, not want to do it, all of that. So it's interesting that that's kind of the answer to both questions. Um, I think the phone is easy, especially with texting. You know, I phone people, text, whatever, try to make a connection as often as I can. Um, um, Sponsorship is a challenge for sure. I mean, I have a sponsor. I love my sponsor. She's been great, um, and I've, but I have not maintained really, you know, long relationships with sponsees. I think for quite a little while, and it bothers me a little bit. But you know, that's the way that it goes. I just try to do, show up and do the best that I can to listen to those sponsees, and if, you know, if that's their choice to stick around, then that's you know, that's up to them and their higher power, and that's not me. Um, meetings. What are the other tools? Somebody help me out here. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Meetings. Action plan. Action plan. Yeah. I think an action plan is very important. I find that I have to turn to that when, I, um, when I'm getting a little stuck in my life. And I was stuck into not doing any kind of like exercise plan for a while. And it took me a long time. And, you know, I even kind of was like ready to reach out and tell people that I needed some help, and then I never didn't want to hear it when they wanted to give me that advice, <laughs> wanted to like encourage me to make a plan. So you know, I'm a bit belligerent on that one as well. I know that you know, I mean that's that's why I'm here. We're all here because we're not all there. Isn't that one of those sayings too? We have a lot of them. Any other questions in the, from the basket? There's one in the basket, and then did we have anybody else who wanted to share as well? Still nobody wants to share. with a food plan and weight loss? Oh, my God. Oh, that's a good question. So, yeah, I definitely had to, had to act as if when on the multitude of times when something would, like, come up that I needed to let go of, a food group of some sort. Um, like, I don't know if I am going to be able to give up X, Y, Z for the rest of my life. Well, I don't have to do it for the rest of my life, number one. And I can just try it for a while. And I could try to, like, let me just see, you know, like, oh, that person, she hasn't eaten that forever. Well, then, you know what? I could act as if I'm like her, right? So instead of having a resentment, let's see what it would be like to walk in her shoes or his shoes. So weight loss, always um, a struggle. You know, it's a really interesting thing when you 
have been overweight your whole life and morbidly obese at some point and you know what's like the weight loss thing was so it's exhilarating at first it's like I was you know the most on it like 280 pound person like yeah I'm looking hot you know and I like that was great that really helped me you know I mean even now like as you know okay so I'm 203 pounds like and I probably should be like 170 or something I don't know I I, like don't get into that but you know what I Sometimes, I, sometimes I'm like, I look great, and this dress is great, and I love it. I feel really good in this dress, but then I don't always have those days. You know, all it takes is a little look in the mirror as I'm naked. I'm, you know, I'm going to be 50 years old, and I've lost over 100 pounds, and so there are some ravages on my body around that. And sometimes I don't like it. If I'm standing upside down in yoga in some crazy pose, and I get my arm twisted around me, and I see this hanging in my face, it doesn't make me really happy. Kind of, but then it kind of does. So it's like this, like I, this shame and kind of this proud moment as well. It's a badge of honor. I was buying yoga clothes the other day, and the woman was trying to sell me something sleeveless. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle like one more, like looking into this whenever I'm like, and she just, she was some young, she didn't know. And she's just like, well, if you keep it up, you could maybe help that problem. And I was just like... <laughs> I bought that shirt, though. I bought it because I'm like, I don't care. You know what? I, like, I'm going to have sagging skin, and I'll probably have some more sagging skin by the time it's all over. And when I turn 60, it'll be more saggy. And when 70, God willing, if I'm still here. So I, that's, you know, there's a lot of acting as if around weight loss. And then also I kind of, like, by extension, call that body image. And then, I, you know, I've kind of coined a new thing that I think of lately, and it's like I hear, you know, people talking about body image. I'm like, body image, honey, I have body reality issues. Like, but we all have them. We all do have them, and um, it's, that's a really important thing to do is to just, like, what would it be like if I didn't? Why, you know, who is this woman who's all proud in her body? You know, there's TV shows now. Now there are TV shows of young women who are not skinny minis, and sometimes my mind can get messed up, like, she shouldn't be all excited and proud of that. You know, I'm seriously, it's, I'm messed up a little bit in my head. But um, you know what? She is proud and, like, good for her. Like, I, you know, that's what I need to be doing. I need to wear that stupid-looking jumpsuit if I want to wear it, and it's not meant for my body type, and it might be kind of riding up between my thighs. Like, you know, good for me if I want to do that. That's, you know, so I guess that's a little bit of acting as if around weight loss, right? What time are we at? We still have like eight minutes left, right? Okay. As you experienced physical recover recovery, did you ever feel like your smaller body was foreign to you? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, seriously, sometimes catch glimpses at myself, and I'm just like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. And you know, I have body dysmorphia. I think. Um, mm. Um, I don't, you know, it's, it's, I think it's hard to say that it feels foreign to me because the weight loss happened for me happened kind of more slowly. So I had a little bit more time to adjust to it, but you know, I think there have been moments of it not like feeling like that's not, that's not right. And I, I do say things sometimes about being, you know, um, Speaking of being a woman of size rather than, you know, being in a more normal body. And, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm probably more of an average body size this day in America. Um, But I don't know. The whole normal word thing is kind of trips me up from time to time. Um, I don't know if I ever felt like it. Maybe I didn't feel like it was so foreign to me. I don't know. Maybe I've always been that, you know, this person inside trying to get out and like, yes, I finally arrived, you know. Um, But I guess I think the thing that I more struggle with is just like accepting where I am, you know, and like making it be good enough for me today. And I will get into trouble uh, in my mind of thinking like, do I need to go somewhere else? Am I being judged because I'm not, am I not working a strong enough program because I'm not 150 rather than 200 or something like that? So, that's probably more of my trouble than, you know, maybe I'm not where I need to be right now. I don't know. I don't know. For today, I am. But maybe I still have more work to do. And I know I do. That's why I've been taking action around it. So, you know, things have changed a little bit for me in the past several months, which has been exciting. Um, any other questions? Oh, look at it. Oh, exciting. 
how can I be an, an effective sponsor when I'm really just acting as if myself? That's a great question. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't think that we need to be like these super people when we're sponsors. We are just another person there to listen, period. And, you know, I can like help to guide my sponsees and introduce them to the concept of acting as if. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think like we're really most effective when we're really authentic. And that's authentic is that I do not claim to be your higher power. I do not claim to have this any better than you do. I just maybe have a bit more time in the program than you do. And, but even that, like I, you know, everybody's on a different path. I have often had conversations with sponsees where I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. And then, you know, and then they'll maybe ask me something about myself. And we all have our life issues that we kind of keep checking. And, you know, and sometimes we turn around the conversation and my sponsee's given me like some really great feedback or, you know, it's like, I, that's great. I think that that's a true success. Like I don't need to be anybody's, I don't know, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't need to teach anybody anything. I don't need to um, be their higher power for them. I just need to listen. That's what I'm here to do. And maybe give them a little bit of like, okay, well, you know, I know X, Y, Z people do these steps in this different way. Well, this is the way that I've always done it. And just to give them that, you know, like information of like, this is how I've done it. And you want what I've had, so here's how I've done it. And if we're interested in doing something else, then we could either figure out how to do that, talk to somebody else about it, or maybe you need to have somebody else sponsor you, if you know. So um, I think that answers that question. We have another five minutes. We have time for perhaps if anybody else wants to share. And it's like, could it be more right here? Okay. Or am I having hot flash? Is it possible? It's hot in here. Oh, great. Good. Perfect. Perfect timing. There you go. Put your name underneath the list there, and I will take my Hi, I'm Larissa. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Um, so I came into the rooms about February of 2010. The last time I binged was February of um, 2011. And I came in uh, convinced I was going to eat myself to death. And about 130-something pounds heavier than I am today. Um, you know, um, this is actually the biggest meeting I've ever been in in person. Um, on, I live in Hawaii, and the meetings are pretty small, um, but they're really good. And I got a lot of healing, and my life is totally different than where it was at uh, when I came in. Um, you know, there's a lot of acting as if when I started, you know, thinking about, like, I mourned, I mourned the fact that, oh, my God, I can, I can never go to a buffet ever again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and, um, well, yeah, I can go to the buffet, and I can take, you know, my moderate meal and, and be okay, but that was incomprehensible to me in the beginning, it was like, oh, my God, I can never go to the buffet again, and I, like, mourned that. And um, and then I was like, no, 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 no. This is this is we're doing something different. It's not like I'm never going to do it again. It's just like, oh, I'm not going to do it today, you know. And I acted as if I was going to do it tomorrow. I'm like, tomorrow, I'm going to that Yakuniku place, and you know, I'm gonna eat all this stuff. And it was like a plan, you know. And um, then I'd wake up in the morning, and I'm like, well. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to do it tomorrow, you know, so I got, I got time that way, and then, you know, through acting as if, that really, that really changed my mind, and then it became, why am I going to hurt myself with food that way, you know, how is that nine plates of whatever, something that I'm even interested in anymore, and it's really not, like, I don't need to do that, and I'm so grateful that I've got to the point where food is no longer the enemy, you know, and it took more of its place, which is like nutritional value, you know, and um, I, um, 
I tried, you know, like I'm really superstitious and I believe just about anything. Um, And when I was trying to pick a higher power, I was thinking, you know, oh my God, should I pick like a little, a little God, like a little Chinese God that's small, you know, small, (laughs) you know, like that's like relatable. Um, One of my sponsors told me this story about her sponsor has this little troll doll. That's her higher power. And she lends it out to her sponsees if they need one until they can find their own. And so I had all these different concepts, and I'm like, well, what can I do? And then I read something. I, I'm pretty sure it was in the big book. And it said, um, think about everything you need and want your higher power to be, and then act as if that higher power existed. So, you know, I thought about what I needed and wanted my higher power to be. And I acted as if that higher power existed. And at the same time, like, I really can feel it, you know, and I really believe it. And I think we find what's there. You know, that acting as if, you know, it's like opening our eyes to the truth, right? You know, the truth of, you know, I don't have to hurt myself with the food today. You know, I can make different choices tomorrow. And that's true. I'm acting as if that's true, but that really is true, you know. And so here I am, you know, with my higher power, which is kind of like the sense of compassion between all living things. It's kind of Buddhist and kind of Taoist and kind of pagan and maybe Catholic, you know. (laughs) So, like, um, and it's good. You know, I feel connected to other living beings. I feel connected to my higher power. And I got that result from acting as if, is my time over? I'm sorry. Okay, thanks. Okay, so I think that now is the time to close this session. Let's thank our speaker and all who have done service for this session. Thank you. What's your name? Marissa. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, Please stand and join hands as we close with the, let's say, the, uh, let's do the third step prayer. I guess I can. can. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works. All right. Yay, everybody. That's great. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, look, it's like, do you want to hear when we put it here? Or just write it on the thing? Absolutely. Uh, well, I love your scarf, too. What's your name? Sheila. Sheila, nice to meet you. Where are you from? Oakland, right on. All right. Oh, there we go. I'm looking for speakers of the Sonoma for Saturday morning. What time is the meeting? Santa Rosa is at 10.30.